welcome to Health Kitchen, the podcast that talks all things health, safety, and performance when it comes to restaurants and the food service industry. I'm Aaron, kinesiologist, former dishwasher, server, bartender, and I will be guiding us through this journey as I connect with industry professionals, health experts, and anyone who has a good story in the food service industry. I'm starting to notice something with these conversations that I have with different people in the service industry. And one thread that has popped out to me so far is the discussion of breaks and building a break schedule so that employees can feel refreshed and performing really well when they go back to their job, and really focusing on that recovery process taking time for those structures to take a break, for them to recover, to get blood flow back into them so that you can come back and perform better, have less of a chance of injury. But I have noticed one thing when it comes to the food service business that when you take a break, usually the only way that you get a break is if you go and smoke. And I know lots of people took up smoking because of that, because their restaurant, that was the only way they could get a break. It's a common thing. But I want to remind you my three ways that I think you should take a break and how you can get the most out of your five-minute break uh, away from the kitchen or the service stand. So essentially, a break should do one of three things. It should reset, refocus, or refuel. So refuel obviously means getting some food so that you can have a good blood sugar level, you're able to perform uh, really well, you don't get that drop in performance. Reset means looking at your structures in your body and giving them a break. So maybe if you stand in one place all day, going for a quick walk so you get a little bit of movement in. And then the final one is refocus. So taking a moment to reset your mind to think of what you need to do when you come back from that break. So what do you need to do to get in the headspace to perform your best? So it could be considered mindfulness, doesn't necessarily have to be that, but that's what we're looking at when we look at how to build an excellent break. So that's my tip today is when you go on break, think of building something like that into it. Refocus reset or refuel now let's learn a little bit about our guest today's guest goes by the name of ryan schnur and he has quite a bit of experience in the industry with about 10 years total time working as a chef And I can't say where he works, but I will say it's a pretty big place. So without further ado, we're just going to get into this conversation and find out what drives his health and performance during his workday. So 
we are back and we are getting into a conversation with Ryan over here and I'm not going to introduce him. I'm going to let him introduce himself and then we'll start chatting from there. So uh, go ahead. Right on. I'm Ryan. I am the chef de cuisine at a business dining location, a tech company that maybe I'm not supposed to name by name, but... um, yeah, I'm a chef de cuisine there, and I've been in the industry for about 10 years at uh, a couple of different restaurants around KW and Guelph. Yeah. So how did you get your start in the industry? Um, kind of weirdly just decided at some point in my teenage years that I wanted to cook. Um, I think I've always been like an artistic and creative kind of person, but also a very logical person. Um, so like following something purely artistic seems like a futile uh idea so i kind of wanted to do something that was both artistic and creative while also you know like a steady job Uh, so it kind of leaned me towards cooking um my brother like happened to know a guy in a restaurant in kitchener and gave me the name of the chef who then i like went in and asked specifically for the chef and i was like 16 or something and basically told him like hey i'm i want to cook uh, but, you know, I understand that dishwashing is usually where it starts, so give me a dishwashing job and, and I'll work my way through it as you're supposed to kind of thing. And he didn't actually even have anything right at the time, but called me back in like two months and was like, you want the job? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he, I still remember him being like, I know you do, because like, obviously I came across really eager right from the get go. So Yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I, it's funny because it sounds like you sort of chose the industry. Yeah. Okay. It worked out too. There's been a few times where I've like second guessed it, but for the most part, it's pretty good. Nice. I've uh, I'm definitely on this. I started dishwashing as well back in the day, and I went in the service side direction after dishwashing for about four months. I broke into the front of house team mm-hmm. and went 15 years on that side. But it was definitely something that I don't know if I chose it. It just kind of worked out that way. That yeah. I got in there. I needed a job. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it in became high school a for a trip and went from there, right? And then 15 years later, we're still talking about this stuff, mm-hmm. even though I don't work directly in it. So can you tell me kind of like what your typical work day looks like? Um, you know, shift length, maybe how many people you uh, you serve, what your duties are, anything that comes to mind. Yeah, so uh, at the location we're at, it's like, a, I think I want to say 850 people in the building complex, um, separated across like two cafes. So the cafe that I work in does breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, the, the second cafe only does lunch, so we get all of the fun at breakfast and dinner, but, um, but it is like business dining. A lot of people go home or don't come in that early. Right. So breakfast and dinner are usually like one to 200 people that we're serving. Whereas lunch can be upwards of like six or seven, depending on how busy our day is, depending on how, you know, enticing our menu is for the staff at the, at the business rather than the other menu at the other cafe. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, um, we have a few breakfast cooks and, a f- like, a, a whole team for lunch and then a few dinner cooks that kind of do their own thing, too, because the lunch is really the star of the show. But Understandably. Do your options change, or is your menu, like, super set? Or do you, like, create different things all the time? Is There's there a, a little of- bit of both. So um, we do have, like, a salad bar and a deli bar and stuff like that that's pretty static throughout a week. Um, and then our, like, hot buffet options will change, like, daily. A lot of cool stuff, actually. So, nice. yeah. yeah. 
So you're excited to like go in and create and Yeah, for sure. It's um we we changed over companies recently and and we've gotten more recipe based. Um so I have been doing less of my own creative work and less of my own recipes, which can be less fun. Um because like I said, you know, the creative part's kind of why I got into it. But um but I'm learning a lot more about like management and stuff like that now and and i'm having to run things to the point where like i don't think i'd have time to be creative right now anyway so yeah it works out right yeah yeah because you're yeah now you're kind of leading a team yeah and the trials and tribulations that come with being a leader yeah exactly my honestly my job now is basically just answering small little questions and problems all day long (laughs) and just like helping people find things or you know every every little question under the sun yeah i worked in a restaurant where the manager would just always be like i have to go manage Mm -hmm. like let me go manage that you know so that was that was what he always would say when he was like oh it sounds like you need managing (laughs) and like you know this pos system isn't working manage it like just you know, whatever it may be, having someone hop in there and that. So, so uh, how long is your workday normally? Like ten to twelve hours, yeah. typically. Um, like in the business dining, I think it's a little bit lighter than your typical like restaurant service. Like that's I think what draws a lot of people into the business dining is like getting an, an eight hour cooking gig, which is kind of unheard of in a, in a lot of places, I think. Right. So, yeah, I was just interviewing someone earlier today that has the eight hour gig mm-hmm. and for him looking back, he's like, how can I have done like the 14 hour yeah. sleep eight hours and show or sleep six hours and come back and do it all again. Yeah, it's crazy when your body's like used to it too. It doesn't, you don't even like think about it. And then like we had like for years I was doing that eight hour shift and then, you know, getting into management more and more hours kind of add on now. Like I've tacked on, I've become salary. Right. So now that's kind of the, the S word in the restaurant industry, I think. Right. right. And yeah. I think a lot of more hours because of that. Right. Because more responsibility. And yeah. So <laughs> is, is the, is the salary the big attractive thing in the industry? For no, no, I don't think so. Not the, it's not, you're not working for that salary job. Not, not in my experience, a lot of, uh, like I said, it's almost like the S word. Like it's, it becomes like, like a horror story. Cause I think a lot of people get scared of exactly that where you're, you're putting in 80 hour weeks, but your salaries for like, would be reasonable if you were putting in 45 hour weeks. Right. And, yeah. And then yeah. you're like, if I do the math, I'm making less than most of my employees, you know, on an hourly wage, but yeah, yeah. It was always, a. Uh... Like, I work the service side of things, and because all the money you make is, like, based out of, like, the hours you work. Yeah. Right? So, like, the salary idea as a server, you know, was always so funny to me. And, I, like, I know, like, tipping's a very controversial topic. And mm-hmm. I know, like, with recently, I've seen Toronto a lot, like, on Reddit and stuff, where, like, you know, restaurants get talking, and they're like, oh, we should just abolish tipping altogether and stuff. And I'm like... Well, I would switch to a salary job as a server if I can get, like, health benefits and mm-hmm. a consistent For schedule sure. and guaranteed holiday time and all that kind of stuff. So it's always been a funny kind of conversation um, that I see. Like, I see a lot of people talking about it, or a lot of people that aren't even part of the industry. Yeah. You know, commenting on these sorts of things. And I remember, like... Um, I was reading a Globe and Mail article about, like, repetitive strain injuries for chefs or whatever. 
and they were talking about all this stuff, and then you know how, like, you read a Golden Mail article, and then you have the comments section, yeah. and you have people who, like, obviously know nothing about, like, the industry, and yeah. they're like, oh, you can just automate those tasks and make it easy, and I'm like, yeah. you have no idea what it's no like to be a chef. Right. Uh, like, I was like, that is so not it. Uh, thank you very much for your input, Golden Mail mm-hmm. comment section. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so I always love that when you can read these things, and you have people who are, like, obviously have never worked in the industry, mm-hmm. and making these sort of comments about yeah that sort of stuff so so obviously everything in this podcast talks about health performance safety um and the stories around that so have you found that you have had some successes maybe trying to manage your energy levels stress whatever it may be or maybe some struggles around that like is any any stories pop out to you that you may want to share um i mean going from like restaurants that i used to work in before to the business dining is like a big jump right i mean I helped, like, open um, Red House in Waterloo, and that was, like, a small restaurant, like, a team of three guys, right? Like, and and that's one of those jobs where even, like, at the lowest level, you're working 10, 12-hour days, and there's no time for breaks, and, and you know what I mean? Like, eating is, is when you can find time to, like, stuff something in your face in between, like, getting some prep done, and you mostly just drink a lot of coffee to suppress your appetite and keep yourself awake, you know? That's what the smoking is for. Yeah, exactly. That Well, and I never took that up, right? So it's just pots and pots of coffee constantly. But yeah. um, moving into the, like, business dining and that, like, nine-to-five kind of cooking gig has definitely made that a lot easier. Like, the corporate side of things has, you know, as you would expect, some, like, corporate standards for that. So breaks are mandatory and... Things like that, which honestly was, like, weird to get used to at the first, like, at the start, moving into that from, like, heavy restaurants where everybody's like, okay, go on your half-hour allotted lunch break now. And you're like, what? What? Half an hour? Like, what am I going to do with all that time? (laughs) I could read a whole book. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And you get used to that. And then now going back into the, the management side of things and just... I think due to the nature of how crazy everything's been at my job lately, and I'm, you know, fingers crossed that this won't be, like for forever but like I haven't been taking breaks again I'm kind of back on that you know I stand in the kitchen and and eat a bowl of something while I'm trying to get paperwork done or something else right so running it has become like it's taken over some of that and and some of those luxuries have kind of been lost a little bit yeah are you planning to like try and get back towards yeah for sure I think we'll get there eventually I mean we we just did a lot of changes in our cafe that just have basically we've then realized that we were understaffed for those changes kind of thing right so it just became lots to do not enough time in a day and if i if i take a break then i'm there till six instead of five or you know what i mean kind of thing so yeah yeah that's very 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 common Mm um yeah so yeah, so have you, when you're working on site or anything like that, like, as a kinesiologist, I look at human movement, human repetitive strain injuries, those yeah. sorts of side of things. Have you had any experience with, you know, um, with, like, you know, discomfort during your workday, maybe? And have you had any successes managing that? Because I, I was just talking with a friend of mine who's a kinesiologist and a bartender, and he, like, you know, has the knowledge to bring in all those sorts mm-hmm. of, like, changes, but I think there's a lot of people who don't know, right? And they're kind of stuck, you know? And you've probably seen that with other people. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think, um, like, I've been through, like, tendonitis once or twice where just, like, a couple of months where my hands, you know, using tongs was, like, killer. But just having, you know, your team there for you, helping you out, like, 
getting someone else to do the pulled pork because that that's rough on your hands and stuff like that, right? But I kind of, with that combined with braces and, like, rest and stuff, kind of worked through that, and it hasn't really flared up, so that's kind of nice of... Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of can be uncommon, and yeah. I'm glad that it's not back yet. Yeah, so. people just usually work through it or struggle mm-hmm. through it, right? Sort of a funny question that I'm seeing, but do you feel like there's a lot less older chefs in the field? Like, is it is it a young kid's game? I think so. It's it's interesting, again, like, I hate keep continuing to bring up the business dining aspect of it, but, like, we kind of, I think, attract those older cooks a little bit more. Um, in I think the restaurant industry really can be a bit more of a young man's game. I mean, like, who wants to be over 30 and still working 12-hour days and six hours of sleep and this and that, right? Like, at, at a certain point, your body starts feeling it, right? So yeah. I think it definitely gets harder as you get older. And I think that's actually like where a lot of people come into that business dining side of things is like, Oh, Hey, like I could work an eight hour job doing the thing that I know, but you know, not, not be exhausted to, and still like, you know, have a family and things like that. Right. And have a weekend. And yeah. 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 Everything that I, so everything is my business balance life. Um, talking about occupational health in restaurants and food service employees and such. And I was going through the data and the average tenure of a restaurant employee is 4.5 years. Hmm. Like within the, the whole industry is the oh, wow. they stay around for 4.5 years on average, which is kind that's of horrifying. Brutal. Yeah. Um, especially because as an industry that's based off your employees or your people and the talent they bring forward. Yeah. Um, how can you get talented people if they're only around for such a short period of time? You can't get those excellent chefs, servers, bartenders, whoever it may be, mm-hmm. because they're just not in it long enough to get that great. Yeah. Um, and I think as a whole, the industry's hitting that wall. Are you feeling like retention, like because you're now more in a management position, is that a challenge for you? to like find great people or is it because you're in your business environment or corporate business environment you're getting away with like as you said getting people who are a little bit more experienced um a little bit of both i guess like we we definitely i think attract those people that are starting to to get to the end of their rope with the industry but maybe aren't quite ready to give up cooking as a whole so i guess we do maybe benefit from that a little bit probably right like you got a a, like a cook who all of a sudden has a kid and then they're like what how do i keep cooking in a restaurant when I have a child right so like yeah we get a lot of those like 35 40 year olds who are coming in with some good experience but they have a kid so that kind of like definitely helps maybe our side of it a little bit um but it also it can kind of hurt it in 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 that aspect too sometimes like yeah I think I don't know. That's I'm like stuck on that stat a little bit. That's actually kind of crazy. Yeah, to yeah. Think about. All my research kind of um, horrified me. Um, I have a few other horrifying stats as well. Um, the most obvious one that pops out to me is that for every in the average restaurant will spend one hundred and forty six thousand dollars a year on training and recruitment. <laughs> like it's just such a crazy number to me. And every time you lose an employee and have to bring in a new one and train them, it's going to cost about five thousand dollars. Yeah. Which is totally believable. It was a study at the University of Cornell, their hospitality uh, school did the study, and they break down all the costs and everything. It's, a, it's an amazing study. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes um, for people to go find yeah. and read. 
Um, but that's a huge cost. No kidding. You know, especially like, when the turnover is like that, right? Right. Like, could you imagine? Like, every time someone leaves your place, it's like five thousand dollars gone. Yeah. You know, and depending on the size of your place, that can decimate your restaurant. Yeah. No kidding. Like fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and as that position moves up in importance, like, so we go from like cook to sous chef mm-hmm. to to uh, head chef or whatever, you can go up to like seven or eight thousand dollars. You know, um, as you're like trying to find that person who yeah. can fill that role. Um, and I, do you think the, do you, have you maybe noticed this trend? Do you, are people talking about this trend or people, or I'm asking multiple questions. I'm breaking the rules in every asking multiple <laughs> questions within one thing. But do you think, uh, is that something that like people are noticing now? Or are they starting to? I think, I think probably a little bit. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have thought it's quite that bad, but there's definitely like, it's not uncommon to hear somebody say the words like I'm getting tired of this, you know, like I can't keep doing this. Like it's too hard. I, even in the business dining side of things where it's supposed to be an easy eight hour day, you have people saying that where it's still too rough. Right. And yeah. So I guess like, it's not, it shouldn't be that surprising and it's definitely something that's coming up more and more, I think. Yeah. Um, as people are starting to realize how rough the restaurant industry really is, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I think it's... I, I wrote some blog posts on, like, how to, you know, how to lower your back pain when you stand all day as a chef and using my skills as a kinesiologist for that. And they went kind of viral, and I was like, oh, there's something here. Yeah, for sure. You know, so there's something here that people are not addressing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I see a lot more of those art- those types of articles coming out, too, where it's, like, the plight of the cook, right? And, like, I feel like I just read one, like, two weeks ago that was just talking about, you know, how hard it is for all these reasons. And, yeah. And the I remember that article, I kind of laughed at the end of it because the first chunk was like, he totally gets it. And then the, the at the ass end of it was like, how to fix it. But it, it, it none of them were really like practical solutions that you could easily implement if you were working in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I feel like you got half of it. And then your other half is just like, just do these things easier. And it's like, oh, it's not... Yeah. It's not just easier to just take more breaks and, like, to yeah. just take care of yourself more. Like, that's not a, like, that's yeah, of course, I uh, want to, but that's the hard part, man. Yeah, like, I, I, I read, in, when I was doing research on all this before, like, I started, like, promoting it a lot, I was, like, reading around. I was like, has anyone else tried to do this for the restaurant industry? And I saw a publication for restaurants um, uh, based out of the U.S., I believe. I can't remember which one it was. But they had, like, an ergonomist, so someone like me you know, write an article of things you could do to prevent repetitive strain injuries or whatever and, like, reduce fatigue and everything. And the suggestions they gave weren't wrong, (laughs) but they were so not right at the same time. Um, And I was like, you're not... If you... If I sent this to a chef, I would probably be murdered. Like, it was... (laughs) It was... But it was... They were right. So one of the ones was, make sure as a chef you're using sharp knives. Yeah. I think, I was like, have you ever worked with a chef? They like It's like, yeah. you know, or like for the server side, it was like, make sure you hand the plates to the guests instead of lowering them all the way down onto the table. And I was like, totally right. Totally right. You're totally going to, you know, have a better back position. You're not going to strain your shoulders as much. Totally correct. Not going to fly. Yeah. Right? In reference <laughs> to the business, right? Exactly. And, I, and I, I was like, huh, okay, cool. So maybe it takes someone who's actually been in it yeah, to talk sure. about it and try and bring those forward in a way that understands and is sympathetic and is empathetic to it and isn't just going to be like, well, just be healthier. Yeah. Right. We can do that, right? Yeah. You're, you're good. 
Um, cause you know, that's, it doesn't tie to anything that's going to make anything better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what question I was going to ask to follow up that, but that was sort of, that's my little soapbox thing. Yeah. But are you finding, so if, are we going to start seeing this change in the industry? Do you think there's any like small steps that you might see that would be realistic or is it all just like in a fairy tale world, if you could say like, we should do this one thing to bring forward change, what would it be? In the, in the fairy tale word, world, it's it's better pay. Yeah, I think better pay and better staffing at, at in restaurants is like one of the hardest things about it. I think every restaurant is probably like slightly understaffed, mm-hmm. and it causes people to work those twelve hour days where they can't take breaks because they need to get shit done, right? Mm-hmm. And it's I think that makes a big difference as opposed to you know pushing through. And it's that same thing where you know you got cooks that can't afford healthcare and and things like that and or dental work and and stuff right and it's it's about like getting those benefits across and stuff like that right but that's one of those hard ones because like where does that money come from besides the the paychecks and the and the sorry like the menu items right all of a sudden every every restaurant is charging an extra five dollars for every dish just to pay their staff properly and so like Practically speaking, I don't know how easy that one is, right? But like, yeah, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, um, I do work for a company that brought for, or I did work for a company that brought forward a living wage across the board, and they're pretty open on like how they did that in their books. Um, you can go ask them if you want. Uh, the neighborhood group, they're pretty cool, and they were they brought forward a living wage for everybody who works in the restaurants. So like, yeah, dishwashers even are getting paid a living wage for the area that the restaurants right. in. And they figured out how to do that in their books. But I don't think that's always realistic or possible. Like, you know, if we're looking at a place like Toronto, yeah. where the rent is so high exactly. and going through a roof these days, like, how do you find those sort of solutions? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a really tough part. But the economic side of it is yeah. really tough. As a kinesiologist, I'm not an expert in bringing forward those kind of solutions. But if you uh, if you focus back towards, like, the health side of it... Yeah, sorry, I guess I went off on the whole dreamy dream thing. Oh, no, so. <laughs> no I, you know, that's, it's something that needs to be said, right? Like, I obviously, as a kinesiologist, I'm not an economist, I'm not a business uh, consultant in that way, so, like, I can't bring that to mm. a solution to the industry. Maybe someone else can, and, like, if you are someone out there listening to that, maybe you should. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know... But if you wanted to go more to the health side, the occupational health side, what would that be for you? I think definitely, like, something as simple as, like, implementing more break times properly and then, like, getting people, like, proper meal plans, like, or, or at least, you know, whether it's a discount at the the restaurant or whether it's, you know, like, a family meal style, like, for, for all your staff before a service or something like that, I think is something that I see implemented a little more and more um, nowadays because I know like eating and stuff is always like one of the hard ones too right but um, but I don't know I don't know how to manage like not being on your feet moving around constantly for those 10 to 12 hours like I it's just partially just the nature of the job right I mean as simple as like proper footwear that probably people don't think about i mean everybody's in love with birkenstocks but is that actually like the best for your feet you know what i mean or... yeah those are like the rubbery ones right yeah that everyone wears mm-hmm. yeah everybody wears those i don't know 
I'm not a foot specialist, so I don't actually know the answer to that. I should find out, though. But I'll bring a foot specialist on. We'll talk about it. But the... Uh, I'll listen to that I'll episode. I have it. terrible I'll flat it. feet. I'll find so someone that's... who knows that, <laughs> but I'll make sure they've also worked in the industry. I'll find them. You're out there. If you're listening, contact me. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely um, one of the things we see. When I work looking at problems, and I, let's say I have a performance problem that I'm trying to fix for a client. Um, oh, my God, my phone. I'm the worst human ever. My phone's making noises. How dare I? There we go. Um, but the uh, one of the like I always look at a performance problem, and then how do I bring about a change to that? And sometimes removing the stressor is impossible. So now I have to look at how I can edit the employee's behavior mm-hmm. or the policy and programming around that will affect the employee. So you know, looking at not only like how are they starting their workday. Are they stretching? Are they getting their, you know, mm-hmm. are they getting warmed up? You work out for an hour and you do like a 10 minute warm up when you do that, but you work eight hours or 12 yeah. hours at a restaurant that's like just trying to get demanding. out of bed and go into it. Yeah, right? yeah. you know, um, you know, are those sort of solutions being brought forward or like are we looking the other side? How do you recover well? You know, thinking about nutrition, protein to re to uh, help uh, restructures or help structures put themselves back together, right? Yeah. So, good healthy proteins or sleep or you know looking at icing and stuff for repetitive strangers all sorts of things that you can bring forward to say you know we can get at this one problem if we look at editing the uh how the worker goes throughout their work day when it comes to a training site it's a tough Mm -hmm. sell in some ways because you have to get buy-in from your employees um and i have to get the leaders on board and all that fun stuff but that's sort of how i look at creating those sort of solutions um so have you have you ever heard of anything like that being brought forward in? No, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> You're intrigued. Um, good, good. Like, awesome. I'm, I'm it, like it just instantly thinking like uh, you know the start of my day is a when once all my staff shows up it's there's a ten minute kind of like pre shift meeting or go over any notes for the day or like how the week's been going etc. Right now I'm just like starting to like instantly being like could we just work in like a three minute stretch cycle into that or right. Something? That's not that the worst right. idea, yeah. Right? It would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked uh, at the day job. Um, I uh, was part of a national... I was a coordinator for a national stretch break program um, for a very large company that no one knows about. Um, and uh, they're integral to everything, but no one knows about them. <laughs> um, and uh, they had a lot of repetitive strain injuries, so they brought in the stretch break program. And... Uh, like one five minute stretch break per day and injuries just plummeted. That's awesome actually. Um, <laughs> and it was really fun. It was like dancing with music and like and they made it mandatory. So like they said everyone has to do it or if you're not gonna participate you have to at least stop working for five minutes. Um, and it was really cool because I got to help coordinate that and I came in when the program was already running but then I took that over that coordinator role and was training people and getting people up to speed and it was really fun and cool and it was cool to hear that story yeah you know and also to see the culture change because i i got to see like 300 people doing charleston one day just (laughs) dance for 10 minutes at the one location um and that was like hilarious um i did like my stretch break which usually like five minutes and they were like keep going and i was like i haven't choreographed anything else so they just dance for another five minutes (laughs) uh that was really fun i also did a stretch break one day where eventually by the end we had like 400 people up during it awesome. and it was like weird because it was like a flash mob so it started <laughs> with like 50 people and then got bigger and bigger and bigger and then I was a celebrity it was great <laughs> uh, but you know the weird things of the wellness job 
Cool. I'm going to leave it at that for this point in the interview. We're going to take a quick little break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of those crazy restaurant stories. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some fun from there. Sound good? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, listeners. Do you run a food service business and repetitive strain injuries are causing your WSIB premiums to increase? Don't worry, Balanced Life can help you out with that. There's a little type of report called a JDA that can help find problems and then start putting in the solutions to fix them. If you go to my website, balancedlifeservices.ca, I have an article that covers all the things a JDA can do for you and how it can save you money on your WSIB premiums. So go check that out and send me an email if you think that's something that can help your business lower their WSIB premiums. So we are back from that break. And we're into the segment that I have yet to name, but it's just crazy restaurant stories because we all have them. And it's always a fun time to talk about these sorts of stories. And, you know, no other industry like the restaurant industry is known to have like these kind of stories. So I was looking through my like database of stories of things that have happened over the years and what the ones I've already told in other episodes so far. And um, one of the favorite things that I always like to think of when as a service person is like the mess ups I have had where like I've like spilled something on someone or whatever and I remember when I was first starting out in the field I was working at a very fancy restaurant that I was totally not qualified to be working at all but I somehow got in there I always like to say I serve the rich and the slightly famous (laughs) And uh, over in Orangeville, and I was carrying a tray of drinks, and the last one I messed up, and I spilled champagne all over the birthday presents of this party. Oh. <laughs> and the horrifying nature of what that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a time, uh, you know, and the number of like hilarious spills I've had over the years onto myself, usually. Um, that come to mind, but do you have anything, does that spark any sort of crazy stories for yourself? Um, I mean, like, hilarious spills in the kitchen tend to be a lot more, like, hot. Yes, and (laughs) And slightly less funny a lot of the time, but, um, like, I've, I've spilled hot oil on myself and had some good burns like that. Um, I knew one, one time at, uh, one of the small restaurants that I was working at, we were actually on our way out to a, um like a staff trip we were heading to to a blue jays game i think it was and um we literally like stopped into the restaurant just to like check in on things i think it was like our meetup spot and we had like left the stock on overnight and um there wasn't actually this isn't like not officially my story but like my sous chef at the time like went in to just like finish up like take that stock off and, and like just before we headed out kind of thing and he ended up like on the walk to like taking the stock over like slipped and spilled and like burned his feet and spilled a bunch of hot stock all over the place he ended up champing it out and we still went to the to the game afterwards but it was like wasn't even a a business day you know like nothing was supposed to be going on and it's still kind of right 
yeah. <laughs> nonstop, I think. Yeah. I had a time, speaking of hot things spilling, um, same fancy restaurant. It seems like all my stories are from the fancy restaurant. Well, <laughs> but like a uh, fancy restaurant and I had to get something and it was in like one of the dessert chef stations and I was reaching up to get it and they had put up there a, um, the ice cream scoop and had it like on a hot plate mm. up like high. I don't know why it was up there, but it was. And like I was moving stuff and knocked down the like little, um, Busbin metal pan, I forget the name of it, um, with the ice cream scoop, and the water went all over the counter and hit another server. But the server thought it was oil. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, like, but it wasn't, like, super hot water, but he thought it was oil, so he, like, ran into the dining room screaming, don't touch me, which, <laughs> he's a real drama queen at the time, supposedly, people may fun him for it, but, like, yeah, so, like, that was, like, one of those, like, times where it was, like, totally my fault. It wasn't anything dangerous in that sense, but it was just, like, you know, the spills that happen. Yeah. Um, I dumped a whole, I was working as a barista in Guelph at one point and uh, we had like French press, giant French press pots. So I like filled up the water and like I was going to put the lid on and like I missed the edge with the hot water thing and just dumped the whole thing onto my lap. But I I don't know why, but I think my skin is a little bit resistant to burns or something. So I didn't burn from (laughs) it. Um, I dumped a whole pot of coffee on my crotch, which was hilarious. But like, there was a customer who I just made coffee for who watched that happen. And as soon as that happened, he was just like, you're out of cream. <laughs> I had such a Empathetic. hard time. Like, yeah, the look Great. I probably gave him, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, see, I think that's why I never was in the front of house, because I couldn't have held back those looks quite oh. as easily. Oh, <laughs> yes. Those looks. Yeah, I commend you for not to... Uh going anywhere with that one probably. yeah, yeah what can you do? you're kind of used to it the stuff that people say to you over the years but that's another story yeah, for a, another episode that i'm sure we'll get into depending on where the conversation goes but thank you so much ryan for coming yeah, on no problem it's fun yes this was a lot of fun and um yeah maybe we'll see you on the future for another kind of conversation when for it comes sure. to all this stuff maybe we'll have a few solutions or there'll be changes in the industry from there who knows so thank you so much for coming on and uh till next time Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hell's Kitchen podcast. Now, if you want to contact me, my email is Aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. My Twitter is B underscore life underscore services. My Instagram is balanced underscore life underscore services. And don't forget to go join that Facebook group, Hell's Kitchen, where you can connect with all sorts of working food service professionals to find out what works for them what isn't working for them and find some people who maybe know how to help you have a better work day and remember if you want to be a guest on this podcast send me an email i'd love to chat with you see ya